0: and you're listening to the IRR Show. That's right, the IRR Show, the independent, relevant, and real show. Welcome to it. My name is Big Daddy Liberty, and of course, I'm never alone. I'm with
1: Sarah Gunn. Sarah, good morning. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Siddly. I would just like to put out a warning before we start that I have been hit by load shedding, so somewhere along the line, I may disappear um, off my hotspot, um, oh, and yeah. we have no guarantee on the on. on the technologies in general so just be warned and forgive us in case something happens Ah, yes, the ever-famed
0: Load shedding is back. We'll have yeah. that conversation today. Remember, on the IRR show, we always begin by looking at the news week that was. You know, what got you talking? What was interesting? Uh, what happened over the weekend that made you um, angry, smile, or even laugh? Um, <laughs> which is the nature of South Africa <laughs> at the moment, isn't it? Um, that is cynical sorry. laughter. <laughs> <laughs> let's maybe <laughs> let's maybe get straight into it in that, in that regard. Um you know, Sara, it's been a a rather fascinating uh, week and weekend. The news has come at us rather fast, hasn't it? And let's begin where we just maybe mentioned. You know, ESCOM load shedding is back, which has surprised many, given that we are in a sluggish economy. There's mm-hmm. definitely this demand. So what's exactly happening at ESCOM?
1: Well, I, I think what we're really dealing with is old infrastructure. I, I think whatever we've got, which, when it's functioning, can manage in the in the circumstances, isn't is often not functioning and it goes down, has to be repaired, and goes up again. And obviously, the irrespective of the, the sluggish economy, because it's it's been cold um, over the last week or so, the demand for electricity, I'm sure, has gone up uh, considerably. So I think that's what we're dealing with. And and the terrible thing about it is. The ESCOM's needing to be rejigged was raised, I think, first in 1999. Mm -hmm. And then when Tobin Becky was on the throne, um, he wanted to privatize, but it never happened for all sorts of reasons we can imagine. So essentially, Mm -hmm. um, ESCOM has been, the the, the ANC has kicked the ESCOM can down the road. That's right. Over, well over a decade. So we should not be surprised.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's what happens when, um, you know, you would think that being the sole provider of something, the sole provider of electricity, the sole provider of water, the sole provider of these utilities that people actually do need would be a license for you to be able to, you know, um, dominate the market and be very profitable. But clearly that isn't the case. And it is that lack of profit, um, as a final point, it is that lack of profit which is seeing the business struggle to do things like build new infrastructure on time and properly. Of course, not just the profitability of management, but also maintain um, equipment timelessly and properly.
1: Well, I, th- I think that the problem all around is is the problem that is absolutely sort of uh, part of the South African uh, zeitgeist, and that is the fact that not only things needed to change, things always need to change, um, but we increasingly got uh, a cadre-deployed civil service, which included caristatels, and mm-hmm. the both the skills and the ability just – and the know-how – Became less and less and less. And you cannot make something as complex as a, an electricity f- uh, facility profitable unless the people running it are absolutely top notch. And let's be honest, we haven't had top notch. Top notch hasn't been in the equation. It has been ANC driven
0: cadre deployment. Absolutely. And of course, Sarah's, when she mentions uh, cadre or catered deployments is the idea that politicians Party political politicians at a party level are the ones who decide, uh, you know, who works in what government departments or what, um, you know, parastatal as opposed to, you know, the market deciding based on skills mm. and need and, and the like. Um, and we're definitely paying the price for that.
1: Um, Absolutely. Just, my, can, can I just make a last point yeah, on sure. that? Is the, is the fact that, do you remember when Guedemont Tashe, the minister of Mineral Energy Affairs got a, a real script when we went to level six load shedding, and suddenly private participation was back on the table. Mm-hmm. I don't know about Absolutely. you, but I haven't heard I haven't heard anything since.
0: Yeah, again, you know, it's testament to the idea that you know, what are the incentives that. that um organized South African society and when we when we ask that question, key to it is the idea of what are our expectations also of the state. Yeah. Do we expect a well-running, efficient, um, and limited state, limited to what you know, a state are its responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And you know, you can look to various societies around the world in that regard. You know, the Scandinavians are a good example. You know, the Scandinavians are often called socialists, but really they're not. <laughs> um, <laughs> The social society, uh, they're a welfare society, but the state is limited in what it does. And the market really provides most of the wealth and um and, and most of the goodies. But what the state does really well in that part of the world is that it copies uh, industry, it copies the market by making sure that you have the best individuals in those positions. Um, but l- let's move on uh, and, you know, segueing to the idea of the best, in this case, not the best, um, the president's speech. Uh, once mm. again, you know, uh, it's, beca- it's becoming quite <laughs> the sad tale, isn't it, so, of him not being the best representation of what leadership is in the country and uh, the, the modifications, if I can call it, to level
1: three restrictions. Do you want to just quickly talk about these? Yeah um, the, the, <laughs> I think uh, Surah Ramaphosa's uh, star Is waning for a lot of yeah. people A because he comes on And he's, he sort of in, in, in this very sort of Almost spiritual voice Tells us what we need to do And how bad things have gotten Where things da da, da, da. And on this occasion He had the gall to say That the problems we are facing Are caused by those Who are being reckless mm. And I think that might have been the end of it for him, because there no doubt there are reckless people out there, but there is absolutely no doubt that most of the problems, A, is a, is a, is a virus that is difficult to predict and and, uh, and prevent, and B, the government is just not ready to deal with it. And it's essentially right. blaming us for their problems. And That's I think right. that was a very bad move.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you, you, you can almost pick, pick up the disdain, and South Africans developed for him, even on social media. I mean, even people who I know to be very staunch supporters of this president, basically, you know, they're at the end of their tether. And have mm. ran out of patience for him. Let me be precise and specific. Um, mm. You know, one of the more, more, more interesting things that came out, um, in fact, I raised this even on my show uh, you know, late nights with Big Daddy Liberty every Sunday mm-hmm. at 9 p.m. When I had a conversation with a guy who's done a lot of work on prohibition, um, mm-hmm. you know, we, we raised the idea that prohibition, number one, does not work. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you simply cannot prohibit people from doing something which they consider to be a everyday, normal, should not be a legal thing. Let me be precise mm-hmm. and even more specific. Um, mm-hmm. It just it begs belief that the state has blamed alcohol um, Mm. for the the rising state of of cases in hospitals. And also, as a quick point, and I want to put this to you, I want to get your view on Mm. this, we we actually didn't get evidence of the so-called overflowing nature of hospitals Mm. or the pressure on them. We we just get the sort of anecdote continuously Mm. from them, including, by the way, from the Minister of Health, Israeli in the briefing that ministers did yesterday, there still wasn't hard numbers that were presented to actually substantiate why they then took a policy decision to argue that alcohol was the sole cause of the rising cases in hospitals.
1: What are your views on that? Well, two, I have two views. The first is that um, why the government was surprised by the rise in alcohol-related um, hospitalization is a mystery to me because this is the society we've lived in Literally forever. So if you come out of reduce lockdown, it's going to. Reassert itself, so, and the way mm. to deal with these issues is not simply by banning alcohol. It, it's it's mm-hmm. it's just it's absolute nonsense. The mm-hmm. other thing, and you talk about the evidence and uh, being sort of partly led up the garden path by a government who doesn't really want to tell us everything because we might have a problem, mm. is there's a very good article in the Daily Friend today by our colleague Eva Fechter, where mm. he looks at the actual figures of the extent to which alcohol-related trauma is actually n- or is not more to the point. If, if affecting hospitals, so mm-hmm. it's it, you know basically when you have facts uh, pr, or facts like that being put forward, when you're weighing up the two, there are arguments, and I think in the, with the current feeling towards the government, the government is, may not win the argument on this one.
0: I, I agree. I agree, and and again, it, it comes back to. Uh, just as I keep an eye on time, Sarah, because mm. we, we do need to go to our break, the ad break. I know we have a guest today. Let me just maybe quickly mention that. Mm. Um, is it Tammy Jackson? It is indeed. Absolutely. So let <clears throat> me maybe, maybe let's, let's do this. Let's go to an ad break and let's bring in Tammy Jackson after the break. Tammy okay. Jackson, of course – who is from the uh, Progress SA uh, uh, Youth Group grouping? So we'll have a conversation with her after the short break Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. All righty, um, guys, we are having a few technical glitches. I'm sure you can hear that feedback. It'll be cleared up very soon. Um, you know, it is. <laughs> this is what happens when you <laughs> have load shedding. Generally, it does affect. Um, our systems a bit, so let's just apologize to you as the listener for that. But um, with that being said, as we mentioned before the break, um, we are now joined by our guest Tammy Jackson, um, a young liberal out of Cape Town, part of that Cape Town liberal tradition, um, and who is part of the Progress SA movement. This is a a youth slash student movement which has gained a lot of traction recently. Um, Tammy, good morning, and welcome to the IRR show.
2: Hi, safety and Sada. Thanks for inviting me. Fantastic. Thank
0: you for even being on the show. Um, Sorry, do you want to maybe yes. open the the account
1: of this uh, yes. interview? Yes. Uh, hi, Tammy. Um, I wanted to take it from the point of view that, in my experience, there are very few women in, say, their 20s and 30s who, are, who have classical liberal uh, convictions and are promoting classical liberalism. So you, to my mind, you are a fairly rare breed of, of, of bird, if I can put it that way. Can I just get, ask you a little bit about your background, where you come from and how you found liberalism?
2: I think that's a really good question. And Sada, I think sometimes uh, the signal is quite bad, so I'm going to tell my best to answer your questions without being distracted sure. by this noise in the background. Um, so, Sada, I think a lot of liberals generally shy away from asking such questions around how one's experiences can sometimes influence our worldviews. And so I think for me it's, it's not an extraordinary case I'd like to think, I mean, I grew up in Elsie's River, which is, you know, a fairly middle to per class community um, on the Cape Flats. And I I was accepted to UCT at some point in life. And that's when I discovered new ideas outside of the community that I lived in. But at the same time, that was, you know, I was caught up in the fees Must Fall and Roads Must Fall you know, like the peak of those protests uh, during mm. my time on campus, and so that kind of influenced my vo- my worldview to some degree. But I would also say the fact that you know, when you come from a community where the majority of people are like dependent on the state for help, mm. you you know, there's there's you you have this urge to to almost you know empower yourself so that you don't have to live the same mm. way. And so my mom and my dad was always really supportive of me, you know, reaching for my goals. And so if you don't know, like, can you hear me? Hello? Yeah, sure. Carry on. Uh, I'll... Yeah. I'll Always very, always very supportive of us reaching our goals, and uh, you know through opportunities. And so, I think as I began to read more about a number of things, and I started watching the news more often, my my worldview it 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 began to to change to a point where I was able to take very clear position on positions on issues, and that's when I got politically involved. Um, I think. Sifle, pardon me if, if I'm
1: Sort of overreaching here But listening to your discussion about uh, Or your points about background And being in, a, in, in an environment in which The the need and the desire To uplift oneself was was a key uh, Key element Sifle, this would re- very much Very much uh, go with Your experience And so t- right. uh, from what I know of your experience It would flow through Um that's right. Yeah. And, you know, the very interesting thing is, Tammy, and I want to put this to you,
0: you know, is that we, we grow up in these communities that, generally speaking, are, um, you know, people don't have much in the way of access to uh, news, yeah. opinion. I mean, they do to a large extent via you know, the state broadcaster. But you, you, there's, there's really in the way of intellectual diversity often at times, Um, For people, So tell me about, you know, maybe from your perspective on the Cape Flats, and I think we've had this conversation, but, you know, when you then got involved in the liberal liberal tradition, um, specifically, you know, maybe through party politics, how was the reception to some of these liberal ideas? You know, what was it like for you trying to convince people of the ideas?
2: So, so my journey in politics started with the DA student organization, which I say was fairly liberal at UCT and quite active at the time. Um, you know, when, when I first, when I first became open about my liberal convictions, I was, I was referred to as a Zionist. And at the time, it was during my first year <laughs> of I barely knew what the word Zionist meant. So I would, I would get all these looks and being, you know, we called names and I would just be like, well, what does that mean? And you know, no, nobody could ever explain what that meant because, you know, calling someone a Zionist or whatever, it doesn't even mean anything anymore. It's just an insult being thrown around, just like most words um, You know, like right-wing, conservative, and all of those other terms, it it simply has no meaning in contemporary politics anymore. Mm. So, so for mm. me, you know, because it became such a norm, I I just brushed it off because I thought to myself, if the you know if the whole point is to debate and get closer to the truth, then people like myself and liberals generally need to brush off such rhetoric. If we were mm. ever you know, to contribute in a productive manner to the conversations that we have. So it was Mm -hmm. quite difficult at the beginning because when you are in your first year, you know, people get socially ostracized for various reasons, um, especially when you are young and you don't really know what you believe and you're still trying to find yourself. I just think that for me, uh, sometimes it takes a little bit of, um, you know, a bit of a, A a resolute attitude to say no This is what Mm. I believe And let's have a a decent civil conversation about it So I won't say that it was easy all the time But I think that I became a bit more confident As time went on by the time I got to my second year So I think it was mostly just with practice And constant engagement with other individuals Well, Um, Let me ask
0: you that question then just very briefly um, on the culture our, our, on campuses, before we get to Progress SA, because I think it, it speaks to Progress SA as a movement also, did you find yourself having a, a an open culture of debates and discussion on, on, on campuses, especially as that young person you say, who's trying to find themselves, trying to find... What they believe in, like, talk to me and maybe share for the listeners what a campus culture is like now in terms of issues of freedom of speech and the like.
2: So I would say that things like, you know, I would say, I I always say that free speech is to be, I mean, academic freedom is to be university what free speech is to any society. So the two are very interrelated. Um, And I think that at university campuses across the country these days, there's been an ever Increasing culture of intolerance towards those who don't conform to a particular, um, political hegemony. So mm-hmm. if you aren't into things like critical race theory or you don't believe that race is a proxy for disadvantage or you just, you, you, you hold views that, that kind of challenge the dominant conversations, Then the likelihood of you being shut down or ostracized is quite high. And Mm -hmm. so I think we've seen that, we've seen that culture become a bit more prevalent since the roads must fall and fees must fall protests kick off. And it seems as Mm -hmm. if most of these ideas have now institutionalized. So the conversations Mm -hmm. around it, it's not really being had anymore. It's now being implemented in policies. Um, mm. And you know university rule books, how one should behave in a lecture theatre, and so on and so forth. Mm. Mm. I,
1: I think um, my impression is that the that whole movement of uh, of in, uh, of intolerance uh, is, is 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 really hitting its stride in places like America and the United Kingdom, where the cancel culture is becoming it 's almost you have, you have to do what you can to cancel the big names, the celebrities the oh. uh, politicians the the, the the high flyers um, just in in relation to that what 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 is your take on the fact of all these enormously large capitalist companies uh, suspending their accounts with facebook because they aren 't putting in the rules that they believe are necessary for uh, for advancing society's cohesion, shall I put it that way?
2: Look, I, I I actually think that's quite funny and ironic, sort of. I mean, when, I, I mean, I'm sure you guys have have um you've kept up with the uh, the protest footage and all the news mm-hmm. around the Black Lives Matter protest when it happened a few weeks ago, and we saw a few like corporate take certain positions. I mean, even uh, Apple Music, for example. They decided Jesus. to cancel music by every other artist, except black artists, to show their solidarity. So I mean, that in itself is, for me, it fundamentally stands against freedom, freedom of choice, association, and speech. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that a lot of individuals who who subscribe to cancel culture without even knowing it. They tend to mm. infringe on the rights of others. And somehow mm. they've convinced themselves that they're doing it for the greater good. But I think it sets a very bad precedent instead. So um, I, I mean, I, for one, try not to go onto social media too often because I find a lot of the algorithms quite dangerous. So I prefer just reading mm. up on things. But I mean, just mm. reading about it and hearing it from You know, friends and colleagues, I do think that we've reached an incredibly uh, dangerous territory where people are trying to dictate to their consumers what exactly they need Mm -hmm. to listen to or what they need to buy, who they need to support. And I mean, that's just the definition of, of 1984 thought (laughs) ground.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, to me, one of the ironies is here you have literally the denizens of the hated capitalist system. Bit, sort of bending their knee to big corporate but in Facebook's case the corporates are not uh, their advertising is, is a very small proportion of advert of the advertising uh, income. The advertising actually is coming from the from the entities that are really the future of most countries and the sort of the base of most countries. And those are smaller, medium sized businesses. So I don't I, I, I don't Hello. quite understand this. I, I I don't know. Am I am I missing something? Well, l- l- <laughs> let me let me let me jump in here because I think there's
0: a, there's a really interesting thing to be said. Around, and maybe let me segue to progress they say and the work you guys are doing there. Because, you know, Sara is quite right in saying that a lot of the, the ideas you're seeing fester and corrupt institutions which historically were built on free speech. Um, historically were built on certain freedoms like academic freedom, like a university in this case, a lot of these ideas that are corrupting these spaces are being imported from the United States by and large you know, cancel culture, the cultural Marxist underpinnings um, you know, would see things like race being seen now as a proxy for all issues in society, identity and identity politics, for instance. You guys are progressists, say, tell me, tell me about firstly what what led you guys to, to form it um, and... and it's reception on campus and what are some of the big issues you guys have taken on as progress?
2: So for the longest time, we've always felt like there hasn't really been any student body or youth group in South Africa who actually speaks to the ideas or ideals related to a free and open society. You know, you have, you have organizations on campus like Amnesty International, you have the EFF Student Command, which is you know, like they're all over, you know, it's, it's as, as if they're trying to shove themselves down your throat. You have a whole lot of other organizations whose main ideal is always aligned to some ideology, right? And so we decided mm-hmm. to start progress because we wanted to provide an alternative set of ideas to people who didn't subscribe, subscribe to things like Marxism, um, critical race theory, and so on. And we decided that you know the only way to actually get people to listen to us is if we, if we we not if if we are provocative in some way, but mostly just you know making the point that there is an alternative to everything that you are that you are hearing right now. And so we started doing this because we kind of wanted other individuals to also find themselves. Within the university space, to, to find their voice in the university space as well, but also to come to the forefront and have conversations about difficult things. Members of the academia, uh, you know, tend to see as unorthodox or taboo. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and, and maybe before we go to our break, because we must take up an ad break, um, at the moment, uh, Tammy, just, just prepare yourself because after the break, I'm going to ask you about some of these these big um, campaigns and big fights that Progress SA has taken on and how, you know, you guys have always erred on the side of trying to advance and maintain a culture of certain freedoms on campus. So we're going to some issues, for example, with the fights you've had with the VC at uct for example but um let's take a quick ad break and after the break we continue our conversation with tammy jackson from progress SA. ifm 101.9 megahertz of life
1: welcome back, Angle
0: to, <laughs> <laughs> welcome back to the our, our shows our uh, um, having a, a a a moment there. It like, must be the cold weather. Um, we are in conversation <laughs> with Tammy Jackson from Progress SA, a student and youth movement, really, that prosecutes liberal ideas, that prosecutes for liberal ideas, rather, in society. Tammy, before the break, I, I sort of made mention of the fact that, you know, progress, um, it, it almost shot to the fore um, by being outspoken on issues that, you know, remind us of, of what these spaces, these institutions I mentioned, like universities, have historically stood for, you know, certain freedoms, including free speech. Um, and you guys have had some really high profile battles, if I can call it that, um, with certain okay. personalities. Do you want know to maybe just share with the listeners, you know, some of these, what some of these battles are and what, what sort of freedoms you guys have, have fought for traditionally on, on campus spaces?
2: So you what? Most of the campaigns that we that we ran was primarily concerned with the protection and advocacy of academic freedom. So academic freedom, in essence, it's really just the freedom to inquire, learn, conduct research on anything that a scholar wishes to do and also having the freedom to critique the work of other scholars and to ask questions, right? And so it's really just based on the point I made earlier on around ideas that are being shut down by a particular group of people when your ideas or research doesn't align with a a particular political uh, Germany. So a lot of our issue driving has been based around academic freedom a few other issues we've also taken up was things related to um, to uh, uh, subjects mm-hmm. in the humanities faculty, how black students are being ostracized and criticized for holding certain views. We ran one campaign on mm-hmm. freedom of speech, which was the first campaign we actually did, and then most recently, um, we decided to take up a battle with regards to the National Coronavirus Command Council in which we questioned or raised questions around their legitimacy, uh, especially during this mm. time of the national state of disaster. And so many of our campaigns, it's, it's solely based around the protection of freedom, but we also you know, wanted to create a space where young liberals can come together and discuss important matters because it's not like mainstream media is highlighting any of these issues in any case. And so we've had to create this space oh. for ourselves where you know, we actually force the public to listen to what we actually have to say. And so uh, besides the campaigns uh, besides the campaigns that we, we ran this year, we also started something new called First Thursday. And Sada was actually at our first first Thursday, which I think was in February <laughs> or March this year. I hope and God, geez, just before. and uh, and basically, you know, we we really just invited a whole lot of students and youth to come and listen to people or politicians from liberal parties, and then of course someone from the Free Market Foundation to talk about the current state of South Africa before the actual state of the nation it is. Um, so that's just mm. in a nutshell what Thursday is about and what we been up to.
1: Um, Tammy, uh, you, you've been going a, a couple of years, not that long, but a little while. What is your impression from the campaigns you've run and the support you've been giving to students who express opinions other people don't like? Is traction being gained? Are we gaining a, a bigger liberal community?
2: I would, say, I would say that progress has been able to contribute insofar as young people are concerned. Um, like I said before, I don't I, I'm not by any means a youth fundamentalist, so don't get me wrong. Mm. Like, I've always mm. thought that youth politics in South Africa was, was fairly, you know, mediocre, sometimes identitarian, mm. and quite generally very repetitive. So, We we'll always just hear them talk about, oh, young people need to have a seat at the table, young people this, young people that. There's no actual solutions to anything, you know, young people should be treated mm. just like everyone else. But I mm. think where politics and liberalism is constant, I do see the youth and students as a very strategic market because it's quite easy to be captured by acad- academia at a young age and kind of have that shape your your worldview mm-hmm. or the mm-hmm. way you see things. So. We, we we kind of saw that as a strategic market to tap into and I do think, you know, to some degree we've been able to get people on our side others not, but I think that this is not a battle that you just win after after starting an organization for one year, you know, and things aren't going to change overnight, so it definitely will take time and we are hoping that you know, the more we drive campaigns and the more uh, uh, content we issue on social media and the more we talk to people, hopefully that will help contribute to the broader Liberals in the
1: um, tell me just a quick question then uh, are, are you seeing much in the way of response from from young young people who are not in the campus environment so,
2: so that's really that's very really difficult because young people who You know, don't have access to tertiary education Aren't necessarily concerned with issues around academic freedom Mm. Many of Mm. them really just want an opportunity in life An opportunity to get a job An opportunity, you know, to go to a TV college Some even Mm. just Mm. want an opportunity to work So they can put bread on the table for their family or siblings And so it's very difficult Because our, our campaigns are mostly centered around issues related to 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 freedom, academic freedom, the state, and how people need to be wary of that. But I think if there's one thing that liberals generally have to work on is how we package our message when it comes to um, South Africans who who aren't necessarily well versed with issues mm. related to power politics or the philosophy. Yeah of, of liberal thinkers. And I think that Ciclay has done a fairly uh, decent job when it comes <laughs> to just engaging with the ordinary person <laughs> on the street. And I think that he's definitely someone that we can all learn, learn from. So I think that is still something we're trying to work on. Um, mm-hmm. but like I said, it, it's not something that can be solved overnight, that.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> well, flattery all we'll get you everywhere. Um. <laughs> But uh, with that being said, look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually very, very excited at the prospect of Progress SA, and I think it's something a lot of people, especially those who are listening to the show, perhaps, maybe those who are parents who might be sending kids to university, should pay attention to. And again, not just even university, maybe you're a parent to young people, period. Maybe you're a young person right now listening to this conversation. There are other avenues Uh, Rather, there are other schools of thought, there are other ideas out there, and young people who are prosecuting these ideas. Tammy, we're in our last sort of minutes so what I'm going to ask you to do is maybe just tell us what you guys maybe have up your sleeve going forward very briefly, and then just end off by giving us uh, your social media contacts as progress. Like, how do we reach you guys?
2: Okay, so the next project that we're working on is actually uh, related to the lockdown itself. Um, and, yeah, you know, I don't want to give too much out, but it's going to be a very really, um, provocative online campaign where we got a few young people mm. um, mm-hmm. online who's quite active on social media to... Uh, Spread the message of freedom So that's all I'll say for now (laughs) And then hopefully After regulations have eased We can continue doing our first Thursday engagements as well Um, If you want to get in touch With Progress please follow us on Twitter where we are most active. That's progress at at progress RSA. And then we also have a Facebook page where you can reach us, which is called progress SA. And if you'd like to follow me, you can follow me at Tammy Tammy 7 on Twitter.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much, Tammy, for joining us. That, of course, is Tammy Jackson from the Progress SA uh, movement, a movement for young uh, people and students, really, that uh, stand for Liberal Ideas. Um, Let us be liberal with our interpretation of time and go straight to an ad break. After the break, we'll finish off the show by telling you what to expect in the news week ahead. IFM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to the IRR show as we wrap up in the last sort of four minutes of the show. Um... Sara, yeah.
1: what are you expecting in the news week ahead? What's, what's on your radar? Okay, what's on my radar is today is the creditors' meeting at SAA, mm-hmm. um, where the uh, minister has been pushing for agreement that uh, SAA be replaced by a new fledgling airline. Now, the big creditors um, are, will be covered anyway. They're, 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 um, their amounts are guaranteed. It's for smaller creditors, and when I say smaller creditors, I mean um, – and those who only owed like 700, 000, 700 million rand, because SA was found guilty of uh, uncompetitive behaviour, and those creditors will get virtually nothing if it goes insolvent, but will get a, l- a little bit of something if it doesn't. But the idea that that they should even contemplate putting anything that resembles a cent or two into a new airline is is actually just pretty revolting, and. Um, I think we'll be watching the outcome of that that one very closely. Absolutely, what I'll be watching definitely is the
0: issue of compliance. Mm. You know, is there a wearing off or a a fatigue from South Africans to complying with what has been really rather silly regulations at times? Um, You know, when what sort of confrontation are we Mm. going to see? Will we see the return? of soldiers and police officers beating up people in the streets, making them do frog marches and all sorts of silly stuff in trying to enforce these asinine regulations. Sara, last word?
1: No, I just wanted to say to that that I've always thought in going around the streets that people have been pretty compliant with face mask wearing. And Mm. yet yesterday my impression was very few people were wearing face masks. I don't know if I was misreading the things or whether there is that sense of, well, get stuffed, I am leading my life my own way.
0: Well, we'll have to wait and see. And with that being said, you'll have to wait into another episode of the IRR next week, Tuesday. Thank you so much for joining us on the show from me, Big Daddy Liberty, and Sara Gunn. Thank you so Mm -hmm. much. We'll see you next week.